Well, guys, today is Mother's Day, um, and it is a day where we honor our mothers for bringing us up in the world um, and raising us up to be the men and women that we are today, and it's a special day. It's a day of honor. It's a day set apart from all the rest of the days in the year, and it's a day where mothers who are doing and who have done a good job can sit back and enjoy their children, giving them the honor that they're due. And uh, I would encourage everyone in this room to do that today for your mothers. Uh, and uh, I mean, take them out to dinner, rub their feet. Maybe don't go there, just uh, that can be gross. But clean the house, you know. Mothers, milk it as much as you can. Today, today is your day. But you know, however, as happy of a day this is for many people, it's also a day of sadness for others. And it's a day where... Uh, so many are jerked back into the reality of their current situation. Um, and while they may want to join in the happiness of those around them, it's, it's extremely difficult. And I just want to say this morning, I understand that. I really do. Um, but the interesting thing about the body is that when one part of the body rejoices, the rest of the body wants to rejoice with it. But the same is true about suffering. And when one part of the body suffers, the rest of the body suffers with it which makes this day kind of difficult because both of those things happen in our midst. And so this morning, I, I simply want to honor all of you women that are part of this body, that are part of this family called Whitestone. Um, those of you who are with us in this room and those of you who are on the, uh, watching, to, watching us through the live stream today, I'm talking to you as well. But I'd like to speak to all the women who are in facing all different phases of life, and honor all of you, because you all are deserving of it. But I want to start with you, you single women who are still waiting for God to bring a man into your life, a man who is going to love you and cherish you the way that Christ loves the church. And you've been waiting a long time for that. But I just want to say this to you, may you fall deeper in love with Jesus as you wait for that man. But you need to know you deserve honor today. You really do. I wanna honor you women who have just recently got married and you're looking forward to building your family. And if I could say this to you, may God give you wisdom as you draw closer to that day. You really truly deserve honor today. I wanna honor you women who have been married for several years now and you've tried and tried to have children. And no matter how hard you've tried, it just hasn't happened. For one reason or another, you're not able to. And it's extremely tough. I just wanna say this to you, may God hold you tight during these days as you don't know what the future holds, but may you sense his presence and know that he loves you, but you deserve honor today. I wanna to honor you women who've gone through the terrible and emotional pains of a miscarriage. Um, it's a loss that no one can fathom unless you've gone through it. And if I could say this, may God just truly wrap his arms of comfort around you this morning and you need to know you deserve honor today. I want to honor you mothers who have lost a child. The pain of such loss never ever leaves the heart of a mother. And there isn't a day that you don't think of your child. And yet, you carry on and you continue to serve tirelessly in spite of the pain. You deserve honor today. I want to honor you women who have small children who deal with stinky diapers and runny noses and sleepless nights. If I could say this to you, may God give you amazing strength as you continue on, even when it seems like it will never end. It does one day. 
you deserve honor today. I honor you women who have older children, and these children have and are making horrible decisions. And it seems like they're ruining their, li their lives, and your heart is just breaking. May God be the source of your strength as you live out these days on your knees. But you need to know you deserve honor today. I honor you mothers who look back on your motherhood with regret. You failed as a mother, and you wish so bad you could go back and do it all over again and right all the wrongs. If I could say this to you, may God heal that pain, and may he speak truth to the lies that the enemy is trying to feed you. But you need to know you deserve honor today. I honor you mothers whose health are failing, and you can no longer do what you're used to be able to do. And because of your sickness and physical restraints, you may feel worthless, as though you're lacking or failing as a mother. Don't you dare think that way. Your presence and loving heart is worth more to your children than you will ever know. But you deserve honor this morning. I honor you women who are older mothers, and you're nearing the end of your earthly life, and it seems that you may not be as needed as you once were. Don't you believe that for a second? May God use your wisdom to bless the younger women around you, and may you sense God's smile upon you today, but you deserve great honor today. Lastly, I want to honor the mothers who are no longer with us. They've passed from this life into the next. And you know, life is just never the same without them. We no longer have the ability to call them on the phone and talk to them like we used to. We no longer get the hugs and kisses that only a mother can give. And we desperately miss them. And while they may be gone, their legacy lives on without them. And their love and their example still remain with us. But those mothers deserve our honor today. I want to honor all the women in this room. Know this, listen to me on this. You are the pinnacle of God's creation. You're, you're the grand finale of his incredible creation. The earth was missing a key part without you. Man was lacking without you. But man was made complete with you. And so women of all ages, young and old, in all walks of life, all facing different circumstances, I want you to know that we as a church family, we honor you, and we love you, and we thank God for you. Amen? Amen. Let's give them a round of applause. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every woman in this room. You created them. You know everything about them. You know what they're walking through today. So God, I pray that you would just pour out a special blessing on them today, may they sense your presence. May they know how much it is that you love them. And may they experience it. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All righty. Well, guys, uh, we're going to have to somehow transition from mothers to churchy words, uh, which is our series we're going through. And I'm not sure how to do that, so let's just dive right in. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we started a series several years or several weeks ago. Uh, on churchy words. And I know that's kind of a goofy name, but what we've been doing is we've been taking words that are thrown around in our church, you know, kind of societies, our church circles, 
And uh, we use them all the time, but we don't understand them. We don't know what they truly mean. And so what we're trying to do in this series is to dissect these words, to kind of pull them apart so that we can wrap our heads around them and really truly grasp what they mean. So that when we open up the word of God and we read in the scriptures and we read that word, we can go, ah, I know what that means. And we can plug in our definition and truly grasp it, okay? So uh, don't put the screen up there. Let's test third service how well your memory retention is that we talked about several weeks ago. Uh, we talked about three words so far, and the first one was belief. Can anybody tell me what is the definition for belief that we've been using? A readiness to act on what it is we believe. Exactly, very good. All right, number two, we talked about knowing or knowledge. What is knowing? An interactive relationship, very, very good. Now the third thing we talked about was eternal life. Can anybody tell me what is eternal life according to scripture? I just heard a mumble, what? Knowing God. Now let's plug in that word for knowing. We can throw this screen up there. Uh, that word for knowing is interactive relationship. So what's eternal life? Having an interactive relationship with God. That is eternal life. Okay, very good. You guys actually win the prize for that. You guys did good. First and second, we're kind of struggling. You guys had it down. All right, the verse we were taking those words from was John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, okay? Well, we're gonna be looking at another famous verse or verses this morning that uh, many Christians know and probably have memorized, and we're gonna be looking at some churchy words in those verses, and hopefully these verses, as we start to unpack them, will come alive for us. So go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter two, okay? Ephesians chapter two, and um, I'm gonna have it on the screen behind me, and I'd like for all of us to read it out loud together. Can we do that? One person said yes, that's awesome. <laughs> all right, well, let, let's do it together. Ready? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. Very good. All right, well today's churchy word that we're gonna start to unpack is the word grace, okay? For it is by grace you have been saved, grace. So like we've been doing each week, I want you to take a few moments right now uh, with your pen or paper or your phone, and I want you to write down what you think the definition is for the word grace. Now, if you're not gonna write down, at least look down and act like you're writing to make me think that you're doing it, okay? But try to come up with a definition for the word grace. I'll give you like 15, 20 seconds. Okay, now before we kind of look at the definition, I wanna kind of just talk about grace a little bit. It's my opinion that grace is really lost on us. We, we have no idea what grace is, what in the world it means, and I'm sure, I mean, the truth is we hear it all the time. We, we use it in our sentences, we use it in our everyday vernacular, and we use it in our little Christian lingo as well, but we don't really know tangibly what it is and we can't get our heads around it and can't grab hold of it. And I think there's a reason for that. It's because we use that word for so many different things. 
For instance, um, let me show you a way that we tend to use it. Um, have, have you guys ever heard this where it's saying, uh, before we eat, let's say grace. Okay, now what does that mean? Yeah, say a prayer. For grace means prayer. It, um, I was, couldn't understand that as a kid. Why in the world, if we're gonna say grace, do we go into this long prayer, let's just say grace and get to eating? I mean, it's, why does it be a long prayer? But we, we do that, and we say grace, you know, as, as it means prayer. My, whenever I think of that, I always think of Christmas vacation. Has anybody ever seen that? It's like, grace, she died 30 years ago, or something like that. <clears throat> if you haven't seen the movie, you think I'm an idiot, but... Uh, <laughs> But uh, since when does grace suddenly become about praying? Well, that's what it is. For many people, that's what they think grace is. All right, how about this? Has anybody heard this phrase? But for the grace of God, there go I. Or that could be me. Has anybody heard that before? Yeah, several of us. My dad used to say that a lot, and it was usually when somebody had um, fallen into a devastating sin and ruined their lives, he'd say, Luke, but for the grace of God, that would be me. And as a kid, I, I just didn't really know what he meant by that. I, I kind of was like, well, apparently the grace of God didn't work for that guy, um, but it does for my dad, or God didn't give him grace, but he gave it to my dad, and um, I, I just didn't get that, but that's what my dad used to say. And oddly enough, I found myself saying it too, so I don't, I don't know what I mean by it. Um, but okay, well, so we've said that. Here's another one that we sing all the time. We say, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Now, according to that song, what is grace? It's a sound. Okay, it's a sweet sound. Um, we might even say a sweet daddy song or sound, but it is a sound, and it's a sound that saves wretches and makes blind people see, and it, you know, lost people can find their way, but that's what a grace is. How about this one? How many have heard this phrase? We're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. Has anybody heard that? Okay. Yeah, it's a very common Christian saying, but while I was growing up, and even very recently, people would usually say that either during or just after they broke the law somehow. <laughs> As they're driving down the interstate going 85 miles an hour in a 65, they're like, well, they wouldn't be looking this way, they'd be looking this way saying, we're not under the law anymore, Luke, we're under grace, and they would speed on. And, and for me, that entire phrase simply meant, well, we're in an age of permissiveness right now. We can get away with a lot more because we're under grace. I'm gonna choose to sin right now because I know I'm under grace. God's gonna have to forgive me, okay? So grace was simply a get-out-of-jail-free card um, sort of thing. And quite frankly, I think that's where we get, you know, that, what, what is it on our mortgage where we have a grace period? It's like, I love those things, those are awesome. Uh, grace period, or we say this, I'm just, I'm gonna offer you grace right now. Uh, what we mean is we're gonna let you off of the hook for a while, uh, you better get things right soon, but for now I'm gonna let it slide. It's a brief time of permitting bad behavior, but that's what grace means to some people. When I was a kid going to my Sunday school class, they used to tell me grace could be understood like this. Let's see how many of you guys have heard this. They would put it into a cute little acronym. God's riches at Christ's expense. Anybody heard of that? Okay, a few of us. Uh, now, honestly, it's really not a terrible definition, uh, but what does that mean? Does it mean that we're gonna really get rich at the expense of Jesus? You know, once again, 
it doesn't really put it into a practical, understandable form that you can put your head around. Sounds pretty, but it isn't applicable. And in my opinion, if something's not applicable, it really, you can't really use it. Here's another one that I learned that is often mentioned in sermons uh, today around the world. But grace is unmerited favor. Has anybody heard of that? Yeah? Uh, This is a common definition for grace. Uh, Grace is a favor, or it's a blessing given to us that is unmerited. Okay, In other words, we don't deserve it. And once again, that is not a bad definition. I mean, that is true. But that doesn't really tell you the form that grace takes. So once again, unfortunately, it's lost on so many people, and that really is too bad. Guys, let me just tell you this right off. It's important to grasp the forms that grace takes, or we will miss out on its, on its entirety. Like, for instance, let me say this to you. God has poured out his grace on you. Think about that for a second. What does that statement even mean? Well, I'd be willing to lay considerable odds down if I were to ask 100 Christians, what does it mean that God has poured out his grace on you? I would bet that 95% of those 100 Christians would answer, well, what that means is that God has poured out his forgiveness on me, okay? In other words, grace equals forgiveness of sins. So like in the verse that we just read in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for it is by grace you have been saved, they would plug in there, for it is because God forgave us our sin that we are saved. Okay, that's what they would answer that. That grace is simply God's forgiveness. Well, guys, I'm here to tell you that if you try to sum up God's grace by simply saying that it's all about forgiveness, you will miss out on the ocean of what God's grace really is. Because truth be told, yes, God's grace does involve forgiveness of sin. We see that. Scripture tells us that in Ephesians. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So yes, God's grace does involve his forgiving our sins. But it's so much more than that. Saying that God's grace only equals forgiveness would be like saying that the human body only equals a fingernail. Yes, the fingernail is part of the human body, but the body is so much more than a fingernail. And the same applies to grace. Grace is so much more than forgiveness of sins. And guys, if you limit grace to just forgiveness of sins, you're gonna miss out on the rest of the ocean. And guys, we cannot afford to to miss out on the rest of the ocean, amen? That's why we must understand what grace is and the forms that it comes in. Now guys, honestly, I could spend a lot of time looking at things that we use the word grace for, but I think it's sufficient to say this morning that there's just a lot of confusion when it comes to the word grace. Uh, so much confusion that I think if I were to read the verse in 2 Peter where it says this, it goes, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In that verse, we are to grow in grace. Now, if we don't understand what grace is, we would look at that and say, what in the world does Peter, what is he telling us there? Is he telling us to grow in our prayer times before we eat? Is he telling us to to grow in permissiveness or giving people grace periods? Is he telling us to grow in undeserved favor? 
Is he telling us that we should grow in God's riches at Christ's expense, or should we, should we grow in forgiveness of our sins? What is, what is he telling us? Well, be honest with you, we'll never know unless we have a firm grasp on what grace actually means. And until we have that handle, we'll never be able to grow in it. We have to understand grace. Now, one thing I love about that verse in 2 Peter that tells us to grow in grace, it's like Peter is saying, listen guys, I encourage you to swim out in the ocean of God's grace. Immerse yourself in the hugeness of it. See how huge and powerful it is. Soak it up. Guys, we're meant to grow in this grace. Now, you might be asking yourself, well, how huge is this ocean? I mean, how big is the grace of God? Guys, let me tell you something. We can't quantify it. But I'll show you a verse that will show you how huge it actually is. And it's found in Hebrews chapter four, verse 16. It says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now let's just stop there and let's unpack that verse and see what it's telling us. Who is commanded to approach? We are, okay? And what are we approaching? The throne of what? The throne of grace. Now whose, whose throne is that? That's God's throne, okay? We're being asked to approach the throne of God, okay? Now tell me, why are we to approach this throne of grace? Look at the verse. I didn't hear anything. <laughs> to find what? To receive mercy and find grace to what? Help us in our time of Need, exactly. Now let me ask you a question. Don't rush to this answer. To live the eternal life that Jesus wants us to live and to live out a life of obedience, how much help do we need? <laughs> let, me, let me ask you like this. How much, ever we, how much of it are we able to do on our own? Nothing. So, if that's the case, if we can't do nothing on our own, how much help do we need? A ton. So let me ask you this, what do we need? We need grace. If we need a lot of help, we need a lot of grace because grace is being offered to those in need, okay? For every area of our spiritual life, we need help. And so therefore, we need grace. God is offering his grace to, to us for our every need. And hopefully you're starting to get a picture of how huge this grace is. Because if you're anything like me, I got a lot of need. And so I look at like, man, God, your grace must be huge because I have a lot of need. Because I can't do this on my own. Do you see what I'm saying? Does that make sense? And not only do we need to understand what grace is, we need to understand how huge grace actually is. And understand those two things will help us to practically see it experienced in our life. Guys, it's simply like this. Why do we need grace? Because we need God. Why do we need grace? Because we need God. We can't do this life without God. And so very simply, the definition of grace that I want you to use, that I think greatly defines what grace is, is simply this. And many of you know it already, but here it is. Grace is God's power 
working in us to accomplish what we could never do on our own. That's what grace is. Let's say that out loud together. Sorry I'm making you work, mothers, on your day, but just work with me. Let's say it out loud. Okay, grace is God's power working in us to accomplish what we could never do on our own. Now, when you see this definition, having talked about everything we've talked about so far, let's plug it into our verse. For it is by grace you have been saved. For it is by God's power working in you to accomplish what you could never do on your own that you have been saved. You see that? Do you see how that makes that verse come a little bit more alive? Now, next week, we're gonna look at the churchy word of salvation, of of what it means to be saved. And we're gonna see that grace plays the key role in salvation. And and by looking at salvation, we're gonna understand grace even more. We're gonna see the form it takes in, 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 in experiencing salvation in our life. But guys, for now, for today, this week, know that grace isn't just about forgiveness. It's so much more than that. It's God's power. And is there there an end to God's power? No, it's infinite. God's supernatural power that is at work in us doing what we could never do on our own. That's what grace is. Now let me ask you just a little pop quiz here, third service, see how well you do. Who is the agent of that grace? Who does it? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who is acting out this power in us, doing in us what we could never do on our own. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. He's the one at work. So know that when we use the word grace, we're talking about the Holy Spirit's work. He's the one doing it. Grace is working out salvation in our lives, and it's an awesome thing. Amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word, and I thank you for what we can learn from it. Holy Spirit, you are our teacher, you are our instructor, and I ask that you would offer us just simple grace to understand, that we might grasp these things so that we might begin to live it out. God, thank you for every person here in this room, and I pray that you might pull back the curtains on things that we don't understand, and that we might know you better, have an interactive relationship with you that just grows and grows and grows. And I pray this in the name of Jesus, amen.